0: Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. If you
1: took the number of people that watch YouTube 1% is a bloody big number, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So you get this dichotomy, don't you? You get the dichotomy between, well, it's from a YouTube perspective, it's
0: 1%, but it's also X million people. The strategy that worked under the previous model now could potentially cause problems for Netflix, where if they're ending a bunch of these programs on cliffhangers and then never tying them up, they're actually poisoning their library. They're creating a series of shows that might be otherwise great, but that don't satisfy the need, given the new long-tail way that people watch television. Did you watch the uh, both seasons of it? I did. Do you remember how it ended? No. <laughs> it ended in a massive cliffhanger So, Colin, you know that I'm into science fiction shows. Yes, we've talked about Me that? Me too, yes. Okay. So uh, there was a show that I watched on Netflix that was pretty amazing. It was really wildly innovative and really do- – so it's called The OA. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Just fantastic, really yeah. wildly creative. Yeah. And I yeah. will never, ever recommend it to anyone. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I will. I thought it was great. Did you watch the both seasons of it? I did. I and did. Do you, do you remember how it ended? No. <laughs> um, it ended in a massive cliffhanger. It's kind of about people who are able to travel between multiverses, I guess, different versions of reality.
1: bit like the show, isn't
0: it? A bit like our show? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We have yet to transport into a multiverse where either of us makes any sense, but maybe someday... I was just there mate. It was really it was a lot better than listening to this show, I tell you. <laughs> it could hardly be worse. It was it was such a great show and I loved it and it the cliffhanger it just it was so shocking the final moments of season 2 was just amazing and then Netflix cancelled it.
1: You know why they do that, don't you? Do you know why they do that? Well, I I hope you'll tell me. They only ever commission a show for 2 seasons. And consequently they then check to see whether it's well received and how many what the numbers are
0: like and then they commission more if, if it's successful, basically. Yes. What the result of that is is that they they now have a large catalog of shows that extend for one or two seasons and then stop, often yes. in a cliffhanger. Now Netflix is not alone in using that content model. That was actually the content model of television stations for forever. You try out a show for a little while and see if it catches on, gets an audience, You know, sees, see what it looks like after the first season or after the second season, and then decide to renew it or not. The difference, I'm going to argue, and the reason I wanted to talk about this on our episode today is that that model was developed at a time when people watched shows in a very different way so if you're watching tv live then it makes a lot of sense that if if a show's not getting an audience you got to kill it you got to scrap it and let it go but people don't watch tv in the same way anymore now they stream it and they tend to want to binge shows and watch the whole run of it all at the same time um, as i look to the way my kids watch tv that's the way they do it they'll watch the entire run of a show that yeah. may have taken, you know, six, seven, eight years to develop in real time. And they'll, sure. they'll burn through it in a, in a few weeks.
1: Let me extend the conversation then. Yeah. Because when you proposed this as a, as a subject, it made me think of the long tail. Yes. And for those people that don't know of the long tail, the long tail effectively, actually, I googled this a little bit before the show i think it was about 15 years ago the long tail is effectively what happens on the internet okay which basically is that if you look at sales of books and videos and virtually anything now actually obviously if you went to stores it was limited by the capacity of the store to be able to display a
0: book as an example. I think books is the prototypical example. Like I think the long tail was developed to explain Amazon strategy. Yes. So the long tail basically
1: says that if you've got a store, then all you can do is get the number of books that you can get in the, in the physical space. If you're on the internet, rather than just having 500 books in a store, you could have 50 million books in a store. And therefore the long tail is that in the store, you get the top 10% of books or whatever it may be. But on the internet, you get the top 10%, absolutely. But you can also get some really diverse books that have an audience of virtually, I don't know, I'm exaggerating now, but 10 people, 100 people, whatever else. But they still sell the occasional book because they're not actually
0: having to be stored in a warehouse
1: or whatever it may be, yeah?
0: That's right, yeah. Especially with something like print-on-demand, Yeah, there's kind of no warehousing fees, and so... If if a book sells any copies at all, it might be profitable. Yeah. So the long tail just describes like the distribution, right? So if you think of a graph and it trails way off to the right right hand side, that's where the the name the long tail comes from.
1: And I think the interesting bit is that has had a lot of implications and even I am one of the implications. So the implications are that within that long tail, you have specialisms, so when I turn around to some of my friends and they say, oh, you've written a book, haven't you? I go, oh, I've written seven. And they go, oh, blimey, you've written seven books, haven't you? I go, oh, I've written seven books. I then say to them, yeah, but look, I'm not JK Rowling. I haven't sold millions of these bloody things, you know. I've sold a few, but I've sold if – you, if you looked at the business book market, it's – and if you saw me, I was holding out my hands – is that big. If you looked at the customer experience market, it's it's a sort of a fragment of that. Now, within that marketplace, I am seen as an influencer, and even a, to a certain extent, you could even put the adjective of, of a celebrity in there, okay? I think that's overblown, by the way, I hasten to add. But you're an expert within that small field. The, the, the fact is
0: that field is very small. I mean, I, I've seen your rhinestone jacket that says celebrity on the back, Colin, so I don't, I don't know if that's <laughs> true.
1: And you've talked about it before, mate, haven't you? you? You've talked about the sort of that concept of the long tail with, within your uh, woodworking, that there are people yes. that you go to who have got a big following, but how many people ever
0: think of, and talk about woodworking? Yes. Yeah, no, exactly. Like the internet has really made it, has shifted the business model in order to make it profitable or potentially profitable to go after very niche markets. So these very small proportion markets that are at the long end of the distribution tail. All of that I think is great background here. Let's go back now and talk about Netflix. So Within the last couple of weeks, Netflix, uh, of when we're recording this, Netflix is in trouble. They uh, announced that their subscriber base was uh, stagnant and I think even shrinking. Uh, Wall Street freaked out. Their stock lost all kinds of value. I'm sure that there are lots of reasons for this, and I don't want to oversimplify it. But what struck me when I heard that news was I thought back to my experience with the OA, the difference between the way that Traditional media was produced like for TV stations, and the way things changed under this new long tail model. And in my opinion, and, and push back if you got a different perspective on this, I worried that Netflix had been competing under an old strategic model in a new marketplace. So they were using the same metrics that traditional TV channels used to decide whether or not to continue uh, TV series that they had promoted. But they were now ignoring kind of this new long tail reality where people were watching TV in a very different way. What I mean by that is if they had given the OA one more season or a half a season to kind of wrap things up, they would now have a complete series, which would still be valuable in their library. But instead, they cut things off completely and they created a series that, that again, I would suggest nobody watch because it's so unsatisfying the way that it ended.
1: I have to say that I think it is frustrating that you get to the end. And and now I sit here, I have to say, and and I look at getting towards end of season two, and I think to myself, hmm, I wonder what's going to happen next. Hmm, I wonder whether they're even going to complete the show. So there's a whole area around completion, the human need for, for things to be completed. I think that they're in danger of screwing up. I think there's a couple of things that I would add, though, to it. One is I was watching a video. There's a guy that I I follow that does uh, reviews of tech stuff. yeah. And I was Mm -hmm. watching him the other day. And he was talking about the fact that there was something about YouTube that was really bugging him and that he had reported it to the people at YouTube. And he was basically going, look, This is a really small thing, and I know that it only affects 1% of the viewers of YouTube, yeah? However, if you took the number of people that watch YouTube, 1% is a bloody big number, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So you get this dichotomy, don't you? You get the dichotomy between, well, it's from a YouTube perspective, it's 1%. But it's also X million people, which is a, a lot of people and, and potentially could be seen as a as a whole marketplace to some people, basically, to some organizations. So it made me think, as we were discussing this, it made me think that, well, maybe Netflix are looking at this in the wrong way, and I and this is where I don't know because it comes into costing in my view. Yes, obviously everyone wants the blockbuster the squid games that everybody starts watching but yeah the, there is actually a long tail there and if you looked at the numbers of people watching then is that good enough now I also have to say I'm sure they've thought of that because they're not stupid people but it just made me think that two things one is people want completion on things yes so is there something they could do on there and, and be that whole sort of the numbers game and the YouTube thing and everything else. I think that
0: makes it interesting. Credit to Netflix. They've done a lot of very smart things over the years, but this has been a concern of mine for them for a a while. I think your point about completion is a really good one. This is why shows tend to end seasons on cliffhangers is because they know that people want that completion. And so they'll know that that'll drag people back it worked in traditional TV great, right? Because we're going to show you a season and then we're going to have to go away for six months and make more shows and we want you to come back. And so we're going to leave you wanting something. People would tolerate that in the age of network TV because they had to. If you're going to watch TV, it, and it's kind of the only thing on. And so you're going to have to put up with these cliffhangers and that's going to draw you back. And if the show gets canceled, well, that's just a bummer, but there's nothing you can do. My point is that the world has changed and now people will routinely choose to not watch content if they know that it doesn't end with completion because they know that that's an uncomfortable feeling. And so the strategy that worked under the previous model now could potentially cause problems for, for Netflix, sure. where if they're ending a bunch of these programs on cliffhangers and then never tying them up. They're actually poisoning their library. They're creating a series of shows that might be otherwise great, but that don't satisfy the need given the new way, the new long tail way that people watch television. So Ryan, have you heard of the People's Choice Podcast Award? Sure. It's an opportunity for people to tell the industry which podcasts are their favorites. I assume you're asking for no particular reason at all right now.
1: No particular reason other than to ask the listeners out there and our audience listening in to just go down below, click on the link, cast your vote. We're in the business section, the Intuitive Customer Podcast. It would really mean a lot to Ryan and I if you could make that vote. Thanks very much. Thank you. It's making me think a couple of things. One is Lorraine and I have been watching Superstore. I don't know if you've, yeah. you've seen it. Half-hour comedy
0: thing. Yeah, my daughter loves
1: it. Yeah, and the last series, we actually watched the last episode last night, and we know it was the last episode because they closed the store. Yes, <laughs> um, and I shouldn't have said that for people. <laughs> I I don't think that was the big
0: spoiler that you made. Also, Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. I just, I dropped that in there. Don't don't, tell him that.
1: So they closed the store. And I have to say, I was sat there and I was looking at my wife as she was watching it because I found it interesting that she was beaming all over her face because of that. It was drawing it to a conclusion. You knew it was the end. Yes. You could reflect back on all the things that had been happening. They did it very, it, they did it very well, you know. And this was like after eight series or something like that. Okay, yeah. So you've got that. It then made me think, and maybe we should be getting free advice to uh, Netflix on this. But it made me think that the problem is that you run two series, and then you're trying to evaluate whether that show should continue or not. You're not going to suddenly go okay, well, we're just going to run another series because of the bloody cost of running one sure. series. It made me think that maybe what they should do is they should do the, the two series they've done, but as part of, the, part of the planning, they should record another two episodes
0: that brings it to a halt in some way. That, I think, is a great idea. Now you've redeemed this entire, this entire series in your back catalogue, and then now people will have a reason to go back to it. Or stipulate in the contract that you can't end season two on a cliffhanger (laughs) because things are going to be uncertain. Let's make sure that this wraps up, at least in in an important way. And then that way, if we renew it, we can kind of pick up some threads and start anew. But instead, they're creating all of these shows that that are not going to work for the long tail, that people are not going to be willing to pick up five or six years later. Your point about it costing a lot to run a new season or even to run another couple of episodes is a good one. But again, I I would wonder if their financial models would be more accommodating of those costs if they extended it out over 10 or 15 years of long tail. You don't need to get all those viewers in the next three months because we have a different model now.
1: Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Why do people need things to be complete? Why as human beings do we want to have a definite finish?
0: There's actually psychological scales that measure this. People differ in it a little bit. Some people, it's called need for completeness. Some people are very, very high on that attribute. They, they feel that need very strongly. They need things to be tied up. There's a story that I heard when I was in high school about a composer, it might've been um, Bach, but one of his sons was playing around on a piano when he was in bed. He was already going to sleep. And his son ended without the final note of a of a composition um, and just walked away from the piano and it bothered him so much that he got up out of bed and went down to the piano and played the final chord so that the the song (laughs) could be complete and then he went back upstairs and went so some people are very very high on this need for completion other people are more tolerant of it and are more able to kind of let things go but it is it is a fundamental human need we want things to be wrapped up by creating entertainment content that doesn't have that that completeness a lot of uh, video games, that these addictive app games, are that way where you'll finish a level but then the level immediately leads into a new level and it automatically starts the next one. So it feels like it's never complete and there's always something more that you can do. And that's part of the strategy these game makers use to, to draw you in so that you'll end up playing Candy Crush for hours and hours instead of for the three minutes you intended to.
1: Is it around certainty? always oh, some and and I know from our conversations it's never never one thing, but it yeah, made me think of people wanting certainty and therefore drawing things to a close
0: yeah, I think it's very much related, so we tend to have these structures, maybe the an understanding of the world, and it makes it very uncomfortable when those things are disrupted or, or threatened, and it speaks to this this idea that we just want kind of stability. We want to understand what's going on. We want to anticipate what's going to happen. And so some of that is this predictability and some of it is, is closure and some of it is certainty. But I think it speaks to kind of a, a psychological sense of stability that we all tend to want in most circumstances. And I think that this this also plays into that. Like we just We want to know how things resolve. You can also think about it in terms of cognitive dissonance, cognitive dissonance is a sense of imbalance, a sense where things are not resolved, where there are things in conflict. That's an uncomfortable state. That's why we have to develop strategies for overcoming cognitive dissonance. And it it can be, there's a mild form of that, I think, that happens with cliffhangers. Like it's uncomfortable to not know how the story ends. I made this mistake when teaching early on in my career. I would have these case studies where i'd explain to, to students like here's the decision they made and here's the problem they were confronting and for some of these case studies i didn't have a conclusion like i didn't look up and see well what what happened with the business afterwards because i was focused on the decision here's how you make this decision in an intelligent way and the students were very upset they wanted to know what happened with this leader or with this this business after they made that decision let me broaden this out from Netflix. I think that the the points we made are hopefully useful to you, no matter what you're doing, you know, what kind of customer experience you're focusing on this need for completion, this need for completeness are very important drivers. But I think that there's a larger point here. I think that part of the reason, in my opinion, I think part of the reason that that Netflix was stumbling is because they were competing in a way that their industry had always competed in, right? They, They had, this was just a standard television model where you, you create something for a couple of seasons, you see how people are responding to it, and you make a decision about your metrics for cutoff and, and, and what you're going to do with that. And the world had changed. They were actually competing in a different environment. I think that led them to make some decisions that were, from my perspective, in my opinion, suboptimal. And now they're, they're starting to f- confront the realities of that where they're, they're no longer seeing growth. I think that that is very common in war They often call it fighting the last war, um, where generals will learn the lessons from previous uh, military history. The problem is that the next war might be in a very different military capacity. There might be lots of new weapons or new terrain. And so sometimes not all of the lessons of previous wars can be uh, ported into the new war. I think that happens in business a lot, where we get stuck competing under the, the previous reality, and now we've got like this new long tail business model. And are we going to change our metrics and change our strategy to optimize under that? Or are we going to keep competing the way we have always competed?
1: Yeah, no, I think it's an interesting thought. And, and, I, and I have to say, I really like the analogy of the war and fighting the last war. I think if your theory is right, it's ironic because yeah. obviously Netflix changed the industry.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't want to come down to Netflix. They, like, they made a lot of really, really intelligent decisions along the way. They also made a few fumbles. They stumbled a couple of times. And I think this may have been an issue. And again, I'm looking at it from the outside. There, there may be a lot more going on inside that I'm not aware of. But from the outside, I like I identified this as a problem years ago, where they're creating parts of their library that are just not going to serve the long tail. They're not going to be things people want to go back to years later. Because they're poison. There's a, a famous example during World War II, where at the end of World War I, the French saw the way that battles had been conducted during World War I, and they built this set of fixed fortifications along the, the border with Germany. It's called the Maginot Line. Yeah. And these were fantastic fortifications. And, and they really, if World War I had been fought again, it would have been completely different because the French now had these fortifications there. But that was the last war. Instead, when World War II came along, well, tanks were now a thing. This is a real brief summary, but what Germany did essentially during World War II is they went north of the Maginot Line, they went around it through Belgium and came down on the other side. And all of these great fortifications essentially did nothing to protect France. Sure. Because it was a new war and they were competing in a new way. And so I think businesses, it's very naturally human. It's a natural human thing for us to look back And try to anticipate the future based on what we saw in the past, instead of looking at the reality on the ground right now.
1: And this is a very good segue into us trailing a podcast that's going to be coming up that we will complete. So this is not a trailer where there won't be a completion. (laughs) We
0: learn our own lessons.
1: We're going to do a podcast on a book that Ryan's been reading called The Myth of Experience, aren't we, Ryan? Are you telling us we're going to give a cliffhanger now? We're going to give a cliffhanger. And if you don't call in again, your life won't be worth living. In fact, not call (laughs) in again, but you know, you know what I mean. Your life won't be worth living and you won't
0: feel complete. So that's true. We're we're going to tell you nothing else about it other than it's the greatest thing ever.
1: And I have to say, it's really made me think I'm going to leave it at that. So uh, and that will be hopefully up in a couple of weeks time. So you better come back.
0: What's the so what? What's the so what? Let's get back to that as usual. I mean, I I think the conversation uh, that we had kind of hit on a couple of important points. Looking very narrowly at the situation that Netflix finds itself in now, I think that they were trying to leverage this need for completion in the way that their industry had always done it, which is end seasons on a cliffhanger so that it draws people back in. And that worked under the previous business model. But under the new business model, it may have actually ended up biting them. And so I think that 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 hopefully was an interesting discussion for people around just this human need for completion, how important that is. I think the broader implication is, are we competing in the market as it exists now? Or are we competing in the market as it existed historically? And I I think that firms find themselves in a trap where they learn the lessons from the last war instead of fighting the new war.
1: And I think that's a very good challenge. It's also very difficult, isn't it?
0: Oh, extremely difficult. Yes.
1: You can't predict the future. And if you knew what was going to happen, you know what? This is a great link now. You see, maybe this is where we go back to OA, how we kicked off this session. And we talk about going Uh to a a different planet or a different, what was it? What were we, what was OA? Reality? Dimension? Yes. We're definitely in a different reality, mate. Let me me say that straight (laughs) away think that's right well, you are anyway so
0: <laughs> also right yeah
1: <laughs> no I thought that was really interesting thank you for suggesting that that was a really interesting thought the trouble is now every time I watch Netflix I'm going to think about it and I'm going to think I'm frustrated I can't i don't know what's going to happen at the end here so anyway we hope you enjoyed today's show if you did just a reminder it would be really great if you could vote for us in the People's Choice Podcast Award. The voting is only in the month of July. The link is in the show notes, and it really doesn't take long to cast your vote. And it would really mean a lot to both Ryan and I. Thanks very
0: much. Cheers. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.